Hello, everybody. Long time no chat. Welcome back to Gym Ramble. My name is Alicia, and today I'm going to be answering your questions. Uh, as you can tell, last week we did not have a podcast. I meant to do this, kept meaning to do this, kept putting it off, but we're here now. We're doing it. We're releasing it. And I'm releasing this on a Sunday. Usually my podcast release on Mondays, but I think I'm going to do a double. I'm going to do one today and one tomorrow. So if you like the podcast, thank you for listening. Um, you guys asked some very good questions and I'm excited to get into it. I have all of them written out here. I'm not sure if we're going to get to all of them because I don't want like a two hour podcast about me just talking about myself. But I do think that a lot of these are going to be answers that hopefully you can relate to or you know it's not just about me and my life a lot of these are health and fitness related as well and I tried to intermingle them like personal questions with fitness ones so we can you know just kind of get a taste of both in there but I appreciate you guys asking me these uh I posted this on my Instagram so let's freaking rock and roll the first one starting out strong what is your favorite part about being a fitness coach uh so if you don't know I coach and own the Fit Breakthrough with my other two wonderful coaches, Laura and Rachel. Uh, My favorite part about being a fitness coach is honestly seeing how the mindset changes benefit their client, not just with their fitness goals, but in other areas of your life. Because I truly, truly believe that if you prove to yourself that you can be disciplined in fitness if you can show up for yourself, if you can make that change and get over that limiting belief that you just don't have what it takes or you don't have the discipline or you just can't go to the gym consistently or be consistent with your nutrition. If you break that down, you will then break down other barriers in other areas of your life. And this happened to me when I started with my health and fitness journey and started making some true progress after trial and error for so many years. And so seeing that firsthand and having the honor to be a part of that for other people, other women is just so freaking powerful. And it is just so fulfilling to see. And what I mean is, you know, for me, When I became more confident in my fitness journey, yes, the physical progress, amazing, 100%. But my relationships got better. My ability to set boundaries became easier because I had this self-worth that I had newly recognized and it was because I felt like I was worthy. I'm worthy of making a change in my fitness journey. I'm worthy of keeping promises to myself. And I'm worried I'm worthy of only having friendships and relationships that you know serve me and that I enjoy being a part of. And so leaving toxic people and things like that and just having that confidence truly enhances your life all around and it is so much more than just oh tracking macros or doing a bicep curl right it there's so much more that goes into it and so I think that witnessing that firsthand and how women just speak about themselves in their check-ins or talk about their life right because even if a client of ours on the fit breakthrough is on coach Laura's team or coach Rachel's team I have a relationship with all of them I have a relationship with every single woman that comes through the fit breakthrough. So I love that. And that is my favorite part is developing these relationships with our clients and really getting to know them on a personal level and sharing their wins with 
share having them share their wins with us not just in the gym or with their body image but in other areas of your life so a very drawn out answer but i'm so freaking passionate about it and it's definitely my favorite part all right number two what was the hardest mindset shift in your fitness journey the hardest mindset shift in my fitness journey was honestly kind of going back to the first point that I made, but proving to myself that I could do it. Because every time that you try a new diet or you try something, even if you know in the back of your head it's not sustainable, but you're like, you know what, whatever, I need to lose these 10 pounds for this vacation or something, I'm going to do something drastic, and then you gain it all back and then some, you get a little bit just kind of down on yourself. And I feel like in the back of your mind, it's very easy to not try again or try something different or get a coach because you just kind of think like, this is just not going to happen for me. And I spent so many years like looking at fitness, you know, Instagram models and putting them as my phone background and stuff like that and being like, wow, I'm so like aspiring to be them. And I think that once the breakthrough happens where you prove to yourself that you are capable you don't really focus so much on other people and trying to be like them and comparing every second of the day. You really instead turn to yourself and you can envision the higher version of yourself and instead you're comparing yourself to them. It's no longer, oh, what does this Instagram model eat? What does, how do they train? Like, what did they, you know, do? How do I want to look? I want to look how they look. It's What does the higher, the highest version of myself do? What do they eat? How do they approach their relationships? How do they value, you know, sleep and stress management and going to the gym even when they don't want to, right? So you start to really truly believe that you're capable and you take steps to align yourself with the higher version of yourself. And that's what I did, right? Once I got the ball rolling and figured out like, oh my gosh, with the help, with the assistance from my first coach way back in 2016, I was like, okay, I'm so much, I'm so capable of so much more than I initially thought I was capable of. And I'm so glad that I asked for help. And I'm so glad that now the doors are open for me to really truly envision where I want to go. Where instead, before, it was just so short-sighted. It was so, oh man, like, how am I going to get through today with not overeating? Or how am I going to get through this really brutal, you know, 10-mile run that I don't want to do because I don't even like running, but I feel like I need to because I need to keep the weight off. It it became so much more long-sighted and so much more fun because I was just like, wow, I am cap- I'm capable of so much and I can't wait to just, like, freaking jump in and that is the biggest mindset shift and yeah so that's that's my answer to that all right and number three the biggest challenge in your fitness journey currently okay so this past year 2022 I essentially went through a reverse diet and then a cut and then a reverse again and now I'm a little bit back I'm, I'm right below maintenance. I'm in a little bit of a cut again, which I'm a little hesitant to say because I ended my last cut in August. So it wasn't even that long ago. This is December, but I'm going to be honest. I feel like 
my first cut, I was on it from like March until August, which seems like a long time. But before I started the cut, I brought my calories so high for me, like 2,600 calories. And I dropped them pretty slowly. So even though I was so on it with my cut, I didn't even get to what a true deficit was for me until like June, like middle of June. So in actuality, I only had like two months of actually being in a deficit where I really saw the weight loss happen. And I really was like, okay, my body's rocking and rolling because, you know, when we think about when we think about uh, maintenance calories, like maintenance is a range, right? And I was definitely in a surplus prior to a cut. So I feel like I knew I could have pushed myself more sooner. But instead, what had happened was I kind of was too conservative with the drops in my food. And I was so on it with my macros that by the time the end of my cut came, I was I was down in weight, but I was so burned out from like tracking to the gram. So then from August until November, I was just kind of like, whatever, like I was reverse dieting, but I also went on a lot of trips. I went to Mexico, you know, I had, I was in a wedding for one of my really good friends. And, you know, I, I, I did just kind of live life a little bit more and I was tracking, but I brought my calories like right back up to maintenance and then a little bit above for a few weeks And then I just kind of got this resurgence of like, hey, let's kind of do a mini, I don't even want to call it a mini cut because mini cut's like really aggressive, but let's do a little bit of a cut for the last few weeks of the year because I am a little bit of a higher body weight than I would like to be. Um, And I know that I've built a lot of muscle this last year. So that comes with being a higher, you know, weight on the scale. So I think that the biggest challenge in my journey is just trying to trying to be proud of myself in the sense of like feeling like, okay, this cut was worth it. Or like I'm at a place where I feel good maintaining because kind of what my game plan is now is to cut into the new year, which I'm not doing a lot for Christmas. So it's not like that hard to be in a deficit right now and a little bit of one. I'm not even going to say it's like a lot. I'm mostly just throwing in cardio. Um, I'm not really lowering my food too, too much right now. Um, but kind of doing what I can towards the end of the year and kind of just experimenting on myself. I don't have a coach anymore. I did for like a year, um, and a half. So that was great experience, but you know, I, I do like experimenting on myself sometimes. And obviously I know a lot about my body and stuff like that. So, um, I am excited about that, but I think the biggest challenge is just kind of balancing where I feel like I should go and also, being like, okay, what's realistic for this timeline and this schedule, right? Because I do have a lot of travel coming up and stuff like that. So I think my goals right now, which this was, that wasn't even the question. The question was, what's the biggest challenge? But my goals right now are to do a little bit of a cut into the new year and then reverse diet out of it and then kind of maintain probably for the rest of the year and just try to get stronger. But I do feel like I want to be maybe like four or five pounds less than I am right now, which I already have lost like a few since I started this uh, little bit of a deficit, but I'm excited because I feel like I'm just in a better headspace than I was kind of over summer trying to cut when I had so many social things happening. So I think that it'll be good. I'm still like giving myself refeeds and free meals and stuff like that. But again, it's just nice to experiment on yourself, but definitely the challenge is like, I think 
just figuring out where I feel comfortable, but also understanding that, hey, I have more muscle in my frame. I want to keep pushing myself and I can't be blinded by just the number on the scale. And I know that it's so easy to like tell other people and be like, hey, don't worry about the scale. But I feel like there's always a part of us, no matter how far we're into this game, where it's like, dang, like, the scale does sometimes have an effect on you, no matter where you're at, or just like bad body image days or something like that. So I think I'm just trying to find my rhythm of where I'm at in my journey for life. Like I like having a little bit of cardio in my regimen. I like, you know, being a little bit around maintenance, maybe a little bit of below, maybe a little bit above, but like just hanging out. And I feel like I'm not going to do another like strong reverse diet bulking phase and then a strong cutting phase for a while like I'm just kind of kind of hang out and continue to body recomp but right now that the portion of body recomp that I'm doing is just like hey let's tighten up a little bit and let's freaking go from there so that'll be a journey that I'm on but I'm excited I feel really good uh I feel really good and I feel like digestion's good sleep's good um my biofeedback's good. I feel like business is rocking and rolling too to the point where I don't feel like super stressed. I think that was something else that kind of happened this summer that made me feel like I my cut wasn't as successful as, as it could have been. So I feel like now I'm just in a better place, which doesn't make sense for a lot of people to cut during the holidays, but for me, it, it kind of does. So that's a long-winded answer. These are all long-winded, so I'm definitely not going to get to all of them, but thanks for listening to me ramble. But that is the name of the podcast. So you signed up for it. I don't know what to tell you. But my next question, my next two questions are about Nick, who, if you don't know, that was my boyfriend. Uh, We met August of 2021. So it's been a year and a few months. But we met on Hinge. So that's the first question. How did you and Nick start dating? We met on Hinge. Our first date was so wonderful. He planned it all. Um, I thought we were just going to walk along the boardwalk and get drinks in La Jolla, but I got there and he had this whole bonfire set up. So he had the fire already going. He had lounge chairs. He brought everything. He brought, um, like blankets and s'more stuff and wine and a speaker already playing music. Like it was crazy. I was like, like crazy good. I was like, who is this? Uh, it was great. And um, the date was like six hours long because we just kept talking and sitting by the fire and it was very nice. Um, But that was our first date and that was how we met. And then we started officially dating like three weeks after that. So (laughs) it's a quick quick timeline, but when you know, you know, I guess. Uh, Okay. And then my next question about Nick is what is your favorite memory? Favorite memory. I think my favorite memory was our trip to Carmel, which was actually December of last year. And that was the first trip we ever took together. So that was like the first time we had ever spent like multiple days in a row, just him and I. And it was so fun. Like all the Christmas decorations and we walked around like the cute little town. But I feel like that trip is honestly not like I wouldn't have fun there for four days on end with just anybody, right? Because there's not like a ton to do. Um, But we had a blast. And I just remember that was also the trip that on the way home, I saw his town where he grew up. And of course I like met his family and stuff like that. So that's just like a very memorable 
time in in our relationship but I just remember that trip being so fun and that just solidified a lot for me being like yeah like I just love this person so much and love being around him and even when there's not like a ton of activities every single day to, to do like we have the most fun and I was I just remember feeling like there's nowhere else I want to be than on this trip right now like with him and I've just never felt that before so that's why that's my favorite memory although it was hard to choose all right so those are all the questions about my relationship we're switching gears back to fitness next question how to deal with hunger in a cut even though you're eating enough protein fiber etc I do like how you specified that because if you're eating enough protein and fiber and like food volume overall, that would be my number one tip is making sure you're not just eating super low volume foods like like bagels and rice and stuff like that. I would say, hey, if we're feeling hungry, let's make some swaps to higher volume foods. We don't want every single meal to be super high volume because we do want to make sure that our digestion is still you know, going well, if you um, enter a cut, and then all of a sudden, you're used to eating like 25 grams of fiber, and then you jump up to like 50, 60, like, oh my gosh, you're gonna be unwell. You're gonna be so unwell. So making small adjustments to food volume is going to be key. But that's not part of the question. You already are doing all that. Um, I have a few tips. But I think the biggest one is just going to be understanding that if you're in a cut, you're in a caloric deficit, you're going kind of against your body's maintenance level, your where your body likes to be because you're trying to, you know, change. You're trying to lose body fat, right? And so there is going to be an element of hunger. It's not going away and it's not something that's bad. Now, do we want to be hungry all the time to the point where we can't sleep or we can't think? Absolutely not. But some hunger is expected and it is normal. And that's why we do talk about, hey, there's going to be a little bit of sacrifice, especially towards the end of your cut. And that's also why it's important, number one, to make sure that you're in a good place prior to starting a cut. Your food is in a good place. Your intake is in a good place. You're, um, you spent enough time out of a caloric deficit, right? Because we don't want to start a caloric deficit at like 1,400 calories. And where are we going to go? We're going to, we have to make another food adjustment. We can't avoid metabolic adaptation altogether. Where are you going to go? 1,200 calories, 1,100, 1,000 calories? Absolutely not. So start your food from a good place. That's number one. But hunger is going to be a part of it, especially if you're truly in a caloric deficit. So keep that in mind. But another thing that I would say is make your own meals. Like I try to avoid going out a lot on a cut just because if you're constantly like macro hoarding for a big dinner or something like that's just going to mess with your um training that's going to mess with your hunger your cravings are going to be off the charts like and you're going to have a hard time even feeling full when you are full so although we can't avoid it altogether, and yes we do want to be balanced that is the sacrifice that i make when i'm on a cut is really just saying hey i'm not going to go out to eat more than I kind of need to, in a sense. And then another thing is going to be meal timing. So making sure that majority of your carbs and majority of your food is around your training is going to be key for performance. Um, but then also rem remembering that, you know, 
you can have gum, you can have zero calorie drinks. Like there's nothing wrong with that. If you don't respond well to like diet soda, try like a LaCroix or try something like less carbonated and less artificial. Like there are things out there that you can do. Do I think that you should abuse like those types of drinks and stuff like that? Absolutely not. But I think like one a day, like literally go for it. I do that. So I would never turn around and tell someone not to do that. Um, And I think that that's fine, especially in a cut. Another thing is making sure that you're hydrated. A lot of times people only, only remember to drink water when they eat food. So if you're eating like maybe like one fewer meal a day or you're just eating less overall, and then therefore you're not drinking as much water, like that can lead to higher hunger cues. So keeping that in mind too. Um, Also making sure you're not in too big of a deficit too soon. Like we want to create the least deficit that's going to yield the greatest results, right? So keeping that in mind as well. Um, Something else is just, I would say consistent meal timing every single day is going to help with consistent hunger cues. Like if you eat breakfast at like 6 a.m. one day and then your first meal is at 11 a.m. the next day and then your first meal is at 8 a.m. Like it's going to not, your body's going to have a harder time getting into a circadian rhythm. So I would say having structured meal times as best as you can. Like I don't want you to freak out and get anxiety if you're an hour later than you were yesterday for lunch or something. But having a system in place and having a little bit of consistency is going to be the best thing for your hunger cues. Um, and then I would even argue eating similar foods per day, like eating similar meals per day. If you have breakfast, always your biggest meal of the day, have that. If you have your, you know, post-workout meal, the biggest meal of the day, have that every single time. Like getting into a flow is really going to help your hunger cues in a cut for sure. Um, but at the end of the day, there is going to be a little bit of hunger and that is kind of the reality of the situation, which is also why we talk about not being in a cut forever because that sounds terrible. All right. How to stay motivated even if you're not seeing results yet. I would say first and foremost, what does results mean to you? What does progress mean to you? Because I think sometimes we have to reassess what actual progress means because progress might mean to you okay well I need to see weight loss happen I need to see you know consistently the scale going down okay maybe that is how we determine progress but also maybe first and foremost progress means learning how to make a balanced meal progress means going to the gym even if you're unmotivated Progress means having a better relationship with food, not feeling anxious when we go out to eat. Progress can mean taking progress photos and understanding that, wow, I look leaner, I look good, I have so much energy, even if the scale doesn't really reflect that. Um, But just holding all your eggs in one basket and saying, wow, even though I, for my health, for my long-term sustainable progress journey, need to do a reverse diet first. And then so for four months, you're reversing up your intake and you're eating more, you're feeling more energized, you're having a better relationship with food, you're doing all these things, you're going to the gym, you're getting stronger, you're building muscle, maybe even you're looking leaner or kind of relatively the same, but now you're eating so much more food. If those four months or however else, if that time period 
all you're doing is constantly just looking in the mirror and saying, I'm not making progress. I'm not making progress, even though you are, but it's just not the type of progress you want to make in the long term. You're going to give yourself and do yourself a major disservice because you're not counting any of the wins, regardless of the the big one that you want to see, even though it's probably going to take more time than you would like to. You cannot just say progress is only measured by one thing. It's measured by the number on the scale because I can tell you right now, it is absolutely not. And that is not a good mindset to get there. But let's say you're not talking about that. So that that's the biggest thing that I see. But, but person who asked this question, how do you stay motivated if you're not, even if you're not seeing results? Maybe you're you know, sticking with something for two weeks and you're kind of like, oh my gosh, I'm not motivated after two weeks. I would say, look at your plan, look at your program. And I would say, make sure that you understand the big picture. Make sure you're educating yourself along the way and that you really know your why, right? Because even if your goal is weight loss and I have a client and I tell her and I'm like, hey, based on where we're at right now, we do need to reverse up a little bit, but here's kind of the game plan and here's what our goals are for this period in your journey. We're getting to the fat loss part, but we need to do this first so that your body can actually respond and you can, you know, eat a healthy amount of food and lose weight. This is what we need to do first. Getting that buy-in and getting that education actually amps up the client. And so they're no longer saying, oh, I'm not making progress. It's just about reframing what progress means. So maybe you do need to reframe what progress means to you or reframe what a sustainable lifestyle means for you, right? Because maybe you're two weeks into training six days a week, but you're barely getting any sleep. And therefore you look worse because your stress is super high. You're not recovering. And so you're like, wow, I'm not seeing progress yet. Okay, well maybe we need to think about how you're going about it. So a lot could be answered by this question, but those are like my top answers. Um, But overall, keep going. I mean, keep going with it, keep showing up, keep making tweaks to where you think you can improve and where you think you can make things more doable for your schedule. Like that's all anybody can do at the beginning of their journey is just be aware of your current habits, provide consistency for yourself so you can see how your body responds, and then implement strategy. Those are the three steps. And I actually just made a post about this on the Fit Breakthrough, but those are my tips. All right, next question. Why do people think carbs make you fat? (laughs) So I do believe that this is currently getting debunked a lot more. Like I feel like the general population know it's not just carbs alone that make you gain body fat. Um, I feel like this was kind of like something that our parents grew up really believing, like low carb diets were really a thing. But how you lose body fat is you're in a caloric deficit, right? So if you cut carbs, oftentimes that leads to you being into in a caloric deficit because you're just eating less food overall. Um, And then therefore you are losing body fat. But when we eat carbs, the energy that we don't use right away is stored as glycogen molecules in our bodies, right? So if you're doing something drastic, like you're cutting carbs for a week, and you see the scale go down a ton and you're like, wow, I must have been, you know, gaining so much body fat from the carbs. It All that's happening is your glycogen is depleting because you're no longer eating carbs and that water weight is gone. But when you resume eating carbohydrates, that will immediately come back. 
So that's why people say, oh my gosh, I lost 10 pounds in a week or two weeks or whatever from cutting carbs. A lot of that is water, unfortunately. Now, some of that could be body fat, but it's because you might have been in a caloric deficit. Doesn't It's not inherently because you cut carbohydrates. Now, someone, someone could also argue that carbs cause you to gain body fat because they're not satiating, right? Because maybe they're thinking of simple carbs with no fiber in them, and therefore they just spike your blood sugar, and then you crash, and you have cravings and stuff like that. But that doesn't mean carbs cause you to gain body fat. That just means they're not satiating. So if you want to create a meal that's satiating, have carbohydrates, but alongside protein, alongside fiber, alongside uh, fats and micronutrients, fruits and vegetables, which are carbs, by the way. But I think when people are talking about, oh, carbs just cause you to have more cravings, it's really just because they're thinking about simple carbs by themselves. Like, I'm just eating Sour Patch Kids by themselves, and then I can't stop. Or like, I have all these crazy cravings, or I have an energy crash or something like that. It's like, okay, well, just make a balanced meal. You don't need to cut carbs out. Um but have more, you know, consistent insulin, you know, insulin levels and stuff like that. Like don't have these spikes and then these drastic falls. Um, And that's something else. Like for PCOS clients, like unless your doctor is like, hey, be on like a low carb diet for this specific medical reason. If you're worried about the spikes in insulin, just create balanced meals. You don't have to cut carbohydrates. Like everybody's different, but more often than not, carbs are not the problem. And it's part of the reason why I love tracking macros so much, because I think what can happen is people are in a caloric surplus, not realizing it, thinking they're eating very healthy. But what's actually happening is they're just in a caloric deficit, even though they're eating, or I'm sorry, they're in a caloric surplus, even though they're eating healthy, but then they finger point at carbs. And they're like, Oh, this must be the reason why I'm gaining weight. They cut carbs, now they're in a caloric deficit, so they're losing weight, but they think it's the carbs. It's like causation versus correlation, right? It's like, that's not the reason. Um, But, you know, I think that's, that's partially why people are like so afraid of carbs. But I hope that that's not still the case because especially around your training, you guys, if you're not having carbs pre-workout, like, I don't know what to tell you because carbs are the body's preferred energy source and we need it. Your body literally needs carbs to function. Your brain needs carbs to function. Like we freaking need carbs. All right. Next question. Do you feel guilty uh, when you work out in the morning and then you rest for the rest of the day? No. Um, I do work out in the morning. I work out at like 7am usually. I don't feel guilty though because usually I walk after I have a pretty high step goal, like 8 to 10k. So I'm usually walking, usually like doing things around the house. But when I worked corporate and I was in an office, I didn't have the leisure to like take breaks and like go on walks because I was in an office with other people. And so we just kind of sat the whole time and did like group, group type work. Um, and I did feel like a little, I wouldn't say lazy is the right word, but I just felt antsy and I was like, I want to, I want to move. Like I need to go on walks throughout the day. Um, but I, I don't think lazy is the word. So to answer the question, no, I don't feel guilty. Um, I have a very good relationship with, with exercise right now. 
Um, I do like moving just because I like how it makes me feel. And I do think that just taking like short walks after meals especially can help with my digestion. Um, so I think it's more so that, but it's not so much like, oh man, I need to move. So I, you know, burn calories. Like that's not on my mind at all. Um, I think it's more so just the component of like the mental component of walking. I love being outside. That's part of the reason why I moved to San Diego where it's just beautiful year round. And, um, it's more so of that, but if I don't get a chance to walk around after my lift or if I'm not lifting and I'm sick and I have to stay in bed, I know part of me feels guilty. Uh, so yeah, that's that, that's that question. All right, we're about the 30 minute mark. So I'm going to do this as my last question, but how to move to a new city and find new friends, new community. Um, this is hard. It is so hard to make friends as an adult because when you're younger and you're making friends, it, it you make friends out of proximity, right? Because you're going to high school with them. You play on the same sports team, you know, your neighborhood friends. But then when you're an adult, you are not as exposed to as new of experiences. And I find that I'm very lucky and that I still have just by chance fallen into different friend groups based on that, based on proximity, but I, it wasn't something that I had intended. Um, one of the biggest things for me was actually finding a roommate on Facebook. I moved here and I found, I lived with two roommates when I first moved to San Diego in August of 2020. And I met them on Facebook and they were so cool. And of course they've been living here. So they introduced me to friends and I was in one of their weddings this past year. Um, and I still like, I'm literally playing volleyball with them next weekend, uh, sand volleyball. So it, it's so fun. And it, they, you know, have friends that they introduced me to and it's just a, a circle. And like, I, um, I started dating Nick and so I know his friends and, I know other people just from the gym. I think that that is a really big source of friendships, especially for women, because if you see another like woman in the gym, you're just like, heck yeah, dude. And if you go at the same time every day and you see the same people, like reach out, go up to girl, like women in the gym and be like, hey dude, like you're freaking killing it. Do you want to work out sometime? Or like, do you want to get food after a lift one day? If we come at the same time, like doing something like that is not weird at all. I think there's this stigma about like, don't approach women in the gym, but that's, we're talking about men. We're not talking about other women. Like if someone came up to me in the gym and they were a woman and they complimented me, I would just like start crying from like happiness. Like I'd be like, I love you. It's like drunk girls in the bathroom, right? It's the same thing. Like, come up to someone in the gym and just freaking compliment them and see if they want to get Chipotle after the lift. I don't know. Um, something else that I did when I first moved here was I went to my gym's tagged posts. And I found people, I found women with other fitness Instagram accounts that posted at the gym. Even if they didn't have a fitness Instagram account, but if they posted at the gym and tagged the gym, most likely they did. But... I would reach out to them and I'd be like, Hey, like I saw you work out at my gym. Like, do you want to work out sometime? Like, do you want to work out sometime is it, it, it's the easiest way to meet new people because you're already going there. You're already doing it. And even if you don't want to work out together, just be like, Hey, like, when do you go? Like, I'll go at the same time as you. And like, we can chat after like do cardio or something. Like it doesn't have to be crazy, but you can say those things. And odds are like, if you're, trying to make friends in the same age group as you, which I assume that you are, we're all in the same boat. 
Like, there's never a point where I'm like, I have enough friends. Like, I'm good. And if they are kind of mean about it, like, you'll know. And then you'll be like, okay, well, see ya. Like, it doesn't matter that much, right? So definitely shoot your shot when it comes to making friends in a new community. And also be open to knowing friends of friends as well because that was really huge for me knowing friends of friends and putting yourself in situations where you are going to get that proximity so joining a volleyball league joining you know a a pottery class I came here and there were a lot of other women in the pottery class too that I took and I just signed up by myself and I just like went it was like 30 minutes away so I don't catch up with any of them because they do live kind of far um but like that's a prime example of like picking a hobby going to a class and meeting other people in that area, and then just continuing to hang out after. Um, and so that those are those are my tips for sure. And then of course, if you're in a new job environment, like after graduating or something, that's just built in like community of coworkers and stuff like that. Um, so there you go. That's uh, that's my advice. But this was kind of a shorter podcast. I don't even know if my thoughts were like coherent during this podcast. I'm gonna be honest. I'm kind of all over the place. It's just that time of year, you know, but we're freaking killing it. We're rocking and rolling. I hope you are too. And we're going to slay the last three weeks of the year. And I hope you guys have an amazing week. Thank you so much for listening. As always, if you made it to the end, like I freaking love you so much. Um, And thank you for all your questions. I'm sorry I didn't get to all of them. Maybe there'll be a part two eventually, but... I'm just kind of, I'm kind of over it. So <laughs> I'm kind of done talking about myself. I can only do that uh, for so long, even though I'm a Leo, you would think otherwise, but you know, that's true. Uh, thank you guys so much. And I hope you have an amazing day and I'll catch you in the next episode.